Welcome to Severance Radio, a Nevada Reads on-air book club. I'm Heidi Kaiser. Over the course of 13 episodes, Severance Radio will dissect a single book, Severance, the satirical dystopian novel by Ling Ma. This book is a mixture of immigrant family story, corporate satire, and global health crisis. It's also the story of Candace Chen. Candace is a millennial first-generation American office drone who meanders her way into adulthood and ends up finding a world devoid of choice and feeling. During our live weekly radio broadcast, listeners heard an excerpt from the audiobook followed by discussions featuring literary luminaries, educators, and subject matter experts. For our podcast listeners, we leave out the book and cut straight to the conversation. Think of this as your own personal book club in podcast form. If you haven't read Severance yet, that's okay. These conversations are meant to serve as an accompaniment to the novel. Though, full disclosure, some of our guests, in addition to making insightful points, do indeed hint at plot spoilers. So read the book. Okay, got your book? Great. Let's get started. As Severance readers know, the millennial condition appears throughout the extended flashbacks in the novel. Are millennials drawing the short end of the stick? Joining us to talk about the struggles to survive in the workplace and the millennial condition are Karen Gu and Jean Munson. Gu's fiction has appeared in McSweeney's Quarterly, Paper Darts, and The Margins. She's a Kundaman Fellow and is currently an MFA candidate at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Munson is the founder of Plot Twist Publishing, a Las Vegas indie comics publisher. She spent the last decade in activism, art, and teaching, and she's the program manager for the Women's Research Institute of Nevada at UNLV. Listen in as they draw connections between Candace's experience and their own. Today's episode is about millennial Asian women, office work in the American dream. I'm Jean Munson, and with me is... Hi, I'm Karen Gu. So my parents grew up during martial law in the Philippines, and so that really informed um, their response to me in growing up. You, like, I am still a child of America, and so I, like, I believed in all these liberal moves that are very conservative in comparison to being Filipino. And so, um, especially living under such tight grip of government, and then moving here, there's a bunch of stories they probably have not told me to make sure I don't feel that same pain, but then I don't have a way of really navigating all the identities in my own intersectional um, way of knowing myself. So um, I, I understand the gamble it is in taking up the arts or liberal arts, and um, it's scary. And yes, the word lazy has been assigned several times that I impose on myself or that others or relatives, sometimes my parents impose on me. I feel like it's in everything Candace says, like a kind of, like the parents, in, in her case, her parents aren't with her anymore, but you know, she's, they're kind of in the beating heart of this story, nevertheless, and kind of, right. I think this kind of self-punishing aspect of Candace is kind of maybe related to uh, the pressure she puts on herself. And, and we're not even perhaps even fully sure how much of that is directly from her parents or more just like the position that she's in, like having to measure herself up against these sort of hardships that her parents endured um, and that her other family endures. How do we see ourselves 
um, in Candice. Um, so we broke it down like how we see ourselves. We both have um, experience in publishing, blogging, and just straight up struggling. So let's cover that. Yeah, well, I um, worked in publishing for four years. So I related a lot to kind of the uh, like nitty gritty details of book production that Candace specifies through her job at Spectra. I think the big takeaway for me working in publishing was that it's a business. And I think prior to, you know, my job there, I had graduated college um, as an English major. So again, like taking that art, you know, more in the arts route, taking the risky route. Um, and my parents were like, you know, what, what job are you going to get? Uh, what? Yeah, and I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but And so publishing really was sort of the gold standard to me. I thought that's the ideal job for someone who's interested in books and reading, majored in English. Um, and in many senses, like it was an ideal job. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of the sort of um, like glamour around the industry, or perhaps I had a lot of hopes about, you know, working with, uh, it's like, you're doing this artistic thing. But I think my experience showed me that at the end of the day, it's, it's, an, it, you know, people are talking about numbers, people are talking about systems, logistics, right, like Candace works with. And I think it kind of let me have a more grounded sense of what the industry is, which is like any other industry driven by capitalist forces. Yeah. How about you? What about the importance? Uh, can you speak to the importance of blogging, especially as it relates to, you know, Candace's New York ghost? It's kind of her moonlighting job. Um, so I wonder if you could speak to that balance, Jean. Uh, so it's really interesting because um you know, I, I really identify as a comics cartoonist. And so we're, we're seeing it move, uh, reading and digesting comics is a, a web medium at this point, um, which I don't discount, but I, I, we were in the rise in our age range, the rise of blogs, right? So like when emo was a scene, you know, um, we wrote those emo blogs and um, the platform that held my uh, blog, Melodramatic, so emo, um, I realized like it had, it had uh, collapsed. And so a lot of those memories like that I wrote in high school that I used in college to really understand my level of depression and, and whatnot, I was like, wow, these are like letters of my past self to my future self. And so that's kind of like the struggle that it is to keep things on a web media, right? Like the, the potential of crashing or not access to that drive and whatnot. So um, but it is the most accessible, accessible way of creating content with readership on demand. You know, um, when I think too about the relationship of just publishing in print, no one gives a roadmap for Asian Americans how to do that. You know, um, when I was trying to break in comics just to distribute and to print, so many people looked at me like I was a young kid, like, oh, that's so cute. It's a coloring book. And it's like, no, I am <laughs> mid 20s. Like, please take me seriously. And so even in building my own local print company, of course, which doesn't have millions of dollars in capital, you know, it's very small. It's like where Jonathan works, you know? And so um, it's hard because people still regard me as like, oh, meek Asian, she must be easy to ask these things. And it's like, no, I, 
I understand that it's tough. I understand I don't have a lot of capital. I still have to control like not misogyn, you know, misogynistic content, you know, because comics can have that. And so it's a constant juggling, but I still really believe in my core content creation, especially as a, you know, Asian American woman. Like, you know, I may not have the stories that my parents have, but I have the means to still get that out there, but not a lot of people have that roadmap. So it's tough. It's tough navigating and finding solidarity in those spaces. What part of the story made you cringe more about the Candace experience? There's a lot here. There's like, it's all, it's like an artichoke or um, like a Shrek style onion. I think probably the, the cringe for me is like the identification with Candace because she's not, she's, she's sort of, I, I don't want to say she's like, not quite like a heroine. She's definitely the protagonist, right? But she, and she's not quite an anti-heroine. She's somewhat like in between, um, you know, like she's, I think the, the, the degree to which I related to her disaffectedness, like made me feel uncomfortable. So that was like the, the nature of my cringing. And I think the ways, especially that uh, brands pop up and like consumer culture pops up that made me cringe because I'm someone like Candace. Um, I, I will say now I'm a grad student. So it's like different from when I was making a, a salary, even a publishing salary. But when I was like had a nine to five, you know, that's like when you're not feeling great for whatever reason due to your job, due to whatever's happening in your personal life, you know, cons- consuming cheap goods, <laughs> online shopping can be very uh, temporarily therapeutic. And let me tell you, I definitely indulged. So I think that kind of the sort of hyper presence of brand names and consumer goods in the book really did kind of give me a sense of like, ooh, you know, it's like you don't want to see yourself in that, but you're like, yeah, definitely that's me. Right. So that would be something I cringed about. What What about you? What were some of the cringeworthy aspects? The most cringeworthy for me is just, she just always finds joy in going back to work. Like, you know, it's, she has a small closet office. Like, you know, it's just like, I used to be in like a break room transformed office. Like I was just like, I know this is a break room, but this is my office. And so I really resonated with that because it was just like, I feel really important because I get to wear a collar shirt. I operate on a computer. And that was after a decade of working like food and stuff. And, and so like, I was just like, I think I made it. I think this is it, you know? Um, but I was just like continuous self-importance when I would just like, you know, talk myself out of like working late, like, Oh no, no, it's fine. I mean, I'm getting ahead, but I'm never ahead. <laughs> I'm never ahead. And so I think that that's what made me really cringe is because like, I guess I saw the underlying factor of like why show up, you know, like to maybe overturn that self-imposed laziness, um, that and guilt <laughs> with that assigned term. So, um, yeah, it's that made me cringe. That's sort of a core question that we can engage with, right? With this work is like what does keep her coming? And I think so much of this book is about like both nostalgia and routines, like even like in both the sort of past section when she's going into the office, um, like over and over, like she's really just sheltering in the office, uh, you know, and then in the other section where they're going on stocks, right. The stock is itself a kind of routine, you know, um, 
And I do think when I think back to like working in a nine to five, like that kind of, I remember the transition for, from going to, I was working prior to that two jobs, two part-time jobs. Yes, yes, so yes. like my days were very, <laughs> yes, exactly. it's like, that's when my parents were like, what is going on? Like, do you, you want to come back home or what? I was like, no, just let me, I'm like, I'll figure it out. Um, and I'm, I did figure it out, but it was a kind of, you know, it's like your weeks are very weirdly organized. If, if you measure it up against like a nine to five Monday through Friday, you're in the office, your butt is in the chair. Um, and I remember when I had first started that job, I was so disoriented. I was like, well, where did the week go? You know, like right. where, well, I just spent like eight hours in this office. Like I, I really started, especially, you know, after a few years to really get to a point where I, I wanted to work anywhere else but the office. I was like, it would be great to just see different something besides like the three walls of my cubicle. Yeah. I was like, let me out. <laughs> let me see the fresh air. So it's, well, obviously in, 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 of course, we're living through a pandemic now. And of course in, uh, you know, severance, sh- she is taking shelter from like an outside uh, threat, um, which which uh, wasn't the case for when I was still working in an office, but is the case now. We should all stay inside. So um, as we're finishing up our wonderful millennial Asian woman conversation, what have we learned from Ling Ma and each other in this conversation? I think just learning, you know, about what we, what you and I, Jean, have in common has been really fun, um, just on a personal level. And then from, from Ling Ma, I think the... I wish I could unfurl a scroll of all the things I've learned from her. Um, not only as like a storyteller and like from a craft perspective, which I so admire everything that she's able, like she pulls off so much in this novel. Um, and to, in, in my mind, like so seamlessly, she's doing, you know, uh, the immigrant narrative, millennial narrative, a zombie kind of story, walking dead style, as you said. And um, I think, I think I've learned probably from, from the book, just sort of the, the, the way that Ling Ma sort of illustrates the interconnectedness of global capitalism, late capitalism, and how there's really not a whole, whole lot of sense of escape. Like there's, you can't really fully opt out at, at, at this kind of stage. So, so then maybe it's a question of like, what can we do? Like, what are some like, other visions of you know other ways to move forward i think um i learned from ling ma like that uh she yeah she broke the mold on like what can an, an, this narrative do and still scare me and still make me think and pro- provoke me and so i i'm hopeful like folks like us you know can that we we can also continue to create um content create that makes our communities and outside communities think this provocatively. And so I'm hopeful um, because I know conversations like we're having today can last on forever because our people have so much to say and so much to do. And um, I'm so thankful that we have this. Thanks so much to Karen Gu and Jean Munson for that perceptive conversation. Severance is a 2020 Nevada Reads book selection. 
Nevada Reads is a statewide book club that invites readers from across the Silver State to come together and share in the love of reading. Severance Radio, a Nevada Reads book club, is produced by the Beverly Rogers, Carol C. Harder Black Mountain Institute, and Nevada Humanities. Support from the Nevada Center for the Book, the Institute of Museum and Library Services, the Nevada State Library, and the National Endowment for the Humanities. Our engineer is Phil Corbett. Our writer is Sara Ortiz. Production by Lily Allen, Mir Arif, Stephanie Gibson, Kathleen Kuo, and Layla Muhammad. And I'm your host, Heidi Kaiser. Thanks for listening. Thank you.